short time back to Accra and all. And also, there was no gynecologist at the hospital at the time. Um, and so putting all that together, and as I said, I'm from Peru, the Eastern region as well. Before I finished the fellowship, I decided that I would want to join um, uh, Regional Hospital Koforidia. Part of the reason also is that for, uh, for some reason, I just didn't want to continue to be in Polyboy in Accra, as I stated. I think it had been a long time dream to work in, in outside of Accra for some time before returning to Accra. So it just fitted in and I found myself in Koforidia. Interesting. So, uh, medical training was in Kolibu, was in Accra, and then. Oh yes, and I went to the University of Ghana Medical School, okay. uh, class of '98. Okay. After medical school, we did our time. We we're doing house job for one year, so yeah. I did year house job, and after again, you know, I that you have going outside, you know, to but yeah. again, I had elected that I want to stay in my country, so, uh, and then I didn't want to stay in Accra also, so I, I know it's around Dr. Area of blessed memory, he has been to Baton, uh, in a Volta region, I was working there after house job and told me how good the place was to be as a young doctor. So after house job, I elected to go there. So I just chose to go there and went there after house job. So we finished in December. Then they appealed to us to stay on to help if we, if we can. So I stayed on in January and February. And then March, I was at battle. And then, oh. yes, so I went to Bato in the Volta region. I stayed there for about uh, one and a half years before I went to start my residency. Uh, when I went there, as I said, Dr. Yafi was there. And he, he did his uh, exams in April. So that's maybe like a year after he had finished his household and was successful. So I, told, I said, uh, why not give my uh, the primary is a shot also so i started preparing to write in september that was pretty fast because this to finish house job in december to write your exams in residency yeah but i gave it a shot that's that's true because and i think in your time there was nothing like ghana college and west oh, africa would frustrate you. They could even look at your face and say, come for the exams just once so they won't pass you. You didn't go to Nigeria, so it won't pass you. Weird things like that. But how was it like for you? Well, you know, I, I particularly um, did not subscribe to those assertions. I, I, I don't know, but I just felt that those assertions part of our superiors were not exactly true. And, and so I told myself that I mean, if some people pass the exam, why not? And uh, let me study and go and, and, and see. And I think for that short time of about uh, six months or five months, I, I think I studied hard. 
That's amazing because people were passing first attempts like that. That's amazing. Thanks be to God. So, just wanted to find out. I've known that you've been in Koforidia and under your leadership. And uh, no, let me not come to your leadership first. How did you rise to, to become the medical director in Koforidia? Well, I think as I went there as a specialist uh, obstetrics gynecology, I just started. I was just doing my work. I mean, uh, for me. Um, one of the things that I think should we should do is to work hard. So I was working hard, and um, hospitals say um, is it a clinical coordinator or something so it was on rotatory basis i think every two years or so so um, he spotted i think the talent and said he wanted me to be the next clinical director so for but that was i think to 2010 so i completed my fellowship in um, 2008, 2008, I started in July 2002. That's when I moved to Kwame. And then I finished April 20, 2008. Then I went for my Michigan, uh, you know, obstetrics and gun. We used to go for elective outside for three months. So yeah. I went June and then I came back August and then. So uh, September, then I moved to Kofuria. So that was 2008. So I started being clinical director from 2010. And uh, after some short while, Dr. Abouri himself was transferred to Ridge, and the new director was brought, the current uh, chief executive of Valley uh, Teaching Hospital, Dr. Asari. So I worked with Dr. Asari as the clinical director, that is effectively the assistant uh, medical director. So I worked under him, and then he also left to Cape Coast as the chief executive officer in 2012. So it so happened naturally that I should act uh, whilst he's, he is away. And so um, I think I acted for some time, and then we went for interviews. Mm -hmm. and, uh, the applications were brought in, we went for the interviews, and. I passed the interview, so I was appointed a substantive uh, medical director for 2013. Wow, that's amazing. And we've heard of your exploits. Now, boss, I know that's fine. As Christians, we are not supposed to talk. Don't let your right hand see what your left hand has done, etc. All well and good. But, boss, we need to inspire the younger generation. So, we need yes. to know some of the things you have done. 
This is not for bragging rights. This is for inspiring rights. Yeah. Uh, so well, some of the things you did say. Yeah, some of the things. Let, let me start from obstetrics and gynecology before I come to the leadership of uh, the hospital. So in obstetrics and gynecology, I mean, I was, I'm very passionate about maternal mortality. Um, so I went there 2008, and one of the first goals is to reduce uh, maternal mortality. And in terms of guess, um, if I look back at the data prior to you know those uh, previous years, we were having sometimes as many as 15 mortalities in the year. By the time we were leaving, we had brought it down to deep three. That's more wow. a year. Uh, general mortality, that is patients that come directly to the hospital. If you yeah. put the referrals together, then the drop in mortality was about 50%. Wow. Which was quite significant. And so that translated across board to the Eastern region. Um, so in terms of that, we we did a lot of work. I mean, as a gynecologist, I traveled. I'm sure I've gone to about 12 districts or more within Eastern region to organize safe motherhood um, training for both midwives and um, doctors. We traveled across Eastern region to do that and inspire people. Somewhere in 2015, we launched a program which virtually I dreamt about, or I should say was my brainchild. We call it PICAM, and PICAM means passion, innovation, commitment. It also meant uh, compassion, accountability for maternal and newborn health. So when mm. we say PICAM, we say no one should die whilst giving life. PICAM, so I love that. The, <laughs> so that was the program we did. We launched, and I think that has been quite beneficial. And as I always say, maternal mortality, it's something that you see the difference after some years. Immediately, you may not see, but you back five years, 10 years back, and you see some improvements. And we start, we've seen those improvements, and we are hoping that the work will still go on in the Eastern region. And aside that, I, I was also on quite a number of uh, uh, working groups for the Ghana Health Service in terms of maternal mortality. I traveled with a team of uh, three others to Ashanti region, to Northern region, where we looked in depth at their maternal mortality. It's a kind of audit after audit. And, yeah. uh, you know, draw up programs that would encourage them and help them to reduce their maternal mortality. I'm happy to say that after I visited to all those regions and writing our reports, uh, their fruits were, were very good. In terms of the hospital, the training, one of the things that I think I really enjoyed doing in Florida was training residents. Residents come there through either the Ghana College or West Africa for six months. I think it's one of the most fulfilling experiences to train residents, see residents who have very little surgical experience. Yeah. <laughs> for six months and leave very confidently in performing you know, all sorts of uh, gynecological surgeries. And I think that gave me a lot of fulfillment as well. And 
also they picked up quite a number of them picked up some good leadership skills as well so in terms of and of course the number of patients that we found it's 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 dead i dare say that i have about 10 10 or more grandchildren named after me <laughs> named after you wonderful i hope they don't ask you to contribute to their school fees since you are their grandfather <laughs> well of course occasionally that comes up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. What about the leadership stuff? Because um, you you were named. I think you won some media, sorry, some excellence award for uh, the medical aspects, and then your hospital also has won some awards for being one of the best managed hospitals. And the accolades are plenty. Tell us about that. Well, so if you go to, well, the leadership part, I think um, um, as a Christian, one of the things that we, 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 we all learn, and I think GCMPF, I mean, Doctors Fellowship has emphasized is the issue of leadership. And one of my mottos, if I should say, my personal creeds is excellence and quality. So, I mean, I just couldn't imagine that you are a leader of a place for this number of years and you live without any impact. So once I took over and, I mean, my predecessors had also done very well. So once I took over, the job was clear and cut out for me. Um, I knew that infrastructure has to be lifted and human resource needed to be lifted. And so, what we did was to virtually, and before you can improve infrastructure, you need um, good financial management. So we manage the finances well. I mean, as a Christian, we've got to use uh, public money prudently, as it were. So once you do that and you block the loopholes. So one of the things we did was, first of all, you need to mobilize revenue. So we changed the system of revenue collection from uh, hospital staff to the banks. You, we all know the issues when you have people using uh, receipts to collect, I mean, money is under carbon and the rest. And in actual yeah. fact, a year or so before I took over, there had been a lot of financial malfeasance and uh, even somebody from the hospital got jailed out of that so obviously once we took over then we brought in the bank the bank to do on-site collection of our monies so that's obviously cut away a lot of the human interface between collecting money not receiving and all that and then and then once you get the money also you, then you use it prudently so the procurement processes were uh, you know then i think my predecessors had done very good work so the procurement process will just go on with very little interference from, from management. And so you are buying things at good prices, price, things are not inflated, contracts are not inflated. So you are able to save money and to do some, had very good uh, managers in terms of accountants, administrators, pharmacists and the rest. So everything went quite well. I think I was blessed in that regard. And the hospital set aside 10% of our income from NHI and we put it in a fixed deposit to also um, raise income to do um, capital intensive uh, projects. So we embarked on some renovations. So virtually, 
In fact, almost the whole hospital during my tenure was renovated. Renovated every building. We changed the, you know, these wooden doors and things to very nice blazing doors. We painted the whole hospital. The hospital washrooms for the patients were not uh, tiled, no terrazzo, but wasn't too nice. We tiled the whole place. You know, we did quite a lot with, with the infrastructure. So we did those renovations. Um, and then we also did a lot of horticulture landscaping. So the entire hospital was either grass or nice flowers, hedges, colored ones. So that also made the place nice. Then, of course, we did also um, the road network. We realized at a point was very bad. There was a lot of potholes. And I mean, anytime I came to the hospital and saw it, it was like, you know, a failure and a shame. So we decided and we literally pavemented the entire hospital. And as, as you may be aware, that is a lot of money. Yeah. And we also, you know, Ghana, we realized at that time that there was a lot of uh, folder, this issue of records. So you come yeah. into the hospital, you can meet somebody who has come to deliver maybe around 9 a.m., meet a person around 12. He's only coming for review, and she says, well, I can't still locate my folder. Yeah. I went to grab what they said is at here, yeah. back and forth. And then there's no space at records, and then people are, you have to buy containers and put folders in. And I used to tell them that that is not the way forward. The way forward is just to click something on the computer, patient yeah. information is to come up. And so during our time, we decided that the whole record should go electronic. So we put in better measures. We're already using the, the system to do our insurance claims. So we had to migrate. We bought more computers, improved the um, IT infrastructure, and then we went paperless. First, we did the outpatients. Once we did the outpatients for about two years and it was successful, then we went in for the inpatients. All that did not come easy. You know? I remember the yeah. first week, everybody was on you, Dr. Buama, please, let's use the paper. This then we can't see, yeah. can't see that, you know. So you'll be at home, screenshots will be taking what's up to you, look at this, you run to the hospital, so what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> so... I sat the programmers down, showed them all the things people are saying. They went back, did some work. Once they brought it back after a week or two, I mean, all the noise went down. Now people were happy. And that, that was about five years ago or something that we did that. So I think those were quite some significant things that we did to turn the whole hospital infrastructure into paperless. Using our hospital IDF was quite a remarkable thing. Um, we also installed an oxygen plant by ourselves. So, hey. so now has we, we have as in an oxygen plant, or you got a few plants to produce oxygen, as in a few green plants to produce oxygen, or a proper. No, no, we have plant. a complete. We have a complete oxygen plant. We actually produce and sell the surplus to other hospitals. Wow. Yeah, we did that as well. Um, the hospital didn't have a good triage or accident center, but we did a nice accident center with about nine beds. 
on the wall, but you can expand it to take about 13 or 15 with oxygen points on the walls and all that. So once you have an emergency, you come in there. We had big consulting rooms with a big table. So you find about two doctors, sometimes three doctors around the table consulting. But we divided all the consulting rooms into two using some nice white alocopon. So we now have each doctor in the cubicle with your patient. So improving patient privacy and confidentiality um, together with the computer system. So I think the place is quite a nice place. Ah, boss, uh, please, is the World Bank director your personal friend? Do you call him and he <laughs> gives you money or how? How do you do this? You said 10% of IGF, but the product projects you're talking about are not small projects. So. Well, the, the 10 percent used to tell me that <laughs> they ask you for some, they firefly, no, you procure it. This not how I do it. Was this one they well, give us more secrets? Well, that it wasn't just the 10 percent, but again, as I said, I mean, um, well, you are working with doctors, you are working with patients, and it takes equipment. And one of the things, and persistent. Recently, when we, we, we have our quality assurance, we have a very good quality assurance team. We do annual surveys among the population at OPD and also for staff. And one of the things that always was surprising, I should say not surprising, but again, but surprising, is that we find out and ask staff that what motivates staff. Now, the first thing they mention is recognition and you know, being recognized and being appreciated for what they do. Yeah. The second was logistics. And there was a third, even before money. Money always yeah. is like number four. So that tells you that when you recognize people and you give people the needed um, equipment, logistics, and infrastructure to work, I mean, people are going to work. And once we improve the infrastructure, I forgot one of the things we did was to compartmentalize the labor ward. We compartmentalized the labor ward into cubicles. So we had six cubicles. So that instead of this dormitory thing that everybody comes to the labor ward and is lying down, we compartmentalize into cubicles. So each woman had her own cubicle with the delivery bed, which is convertible. So oh, you don't have thanks. to go from first stage to second stage to third mm -hmm. stage, you know, that sort of thing. And once we compartmentalize them, we also then encourage birth companions. So you have you come in with either your spouse or anybody of your choice to be with you throughout labor. Now that automatically translates into some food care. Because obviously when your relations are there, staff will be nice to all of you. Yeah. So yeah. all these yeah. things, you know, comes up and the staff themselves were very happy. You're coming to work and you're happy that your hospital is looking nice. There are yeah. flowers, the walls are shiny and all that. So so that contributes to the motivation. So um I mean once there, there's a need for equipment and for me being also a clinician, I mean I practiced, I was on call, I did everything as I was doing before I became the director of the hospital, after I became the director. So I'm, I'm with them doing the work. So if there's something that is not available and I come to theater and this is not there, of course, the, you know, the nature of the relationship we had, 
they all just start laughing at you, but the better yeah. destination that they are there. So, so that was the philosophy we had that, I mean, people need the equipment and they have to get it. And, and the, not just about the staff, but about the patients. I mean, patients come in and they deserve um, good care. They deserve some quality care. And what can give them that is the equipment. So we tried hard to provide uh, those things. And any money that was available, um, we could we used to do that. So those were some of the infrastructure we did. And as you said, we also did a lot in terms of equipment. Um, for the NICU you mentioned, we bought about four fireflies. Uh, we had this John this meter. We, we bought quite a number for them. Um, we changed all the stretches in the hospital to very modern ones. We bought monitors for labor ward recovery for the emergency almost about 20 monitors, but um, and some for the wards as well. We bought, one of the major things we also did was to buy an endoscopy machine. So we, 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 we had our own lower and upper GI endoscopy machine that we bought and we are using, as well as a laparoscopy tower too. So we could do laparoscopies. Uh, expertise had not been built up, so at least we were doing diagnostic laparoscopies. I hope that in future they would uh, graduate to doing laparoscopic surgeries. But boss, let me ask, why? Why change the place? Why transform the place? And people go to places and they don't do anything. So why? And I'm even talking Christians. Christians will go to and they'll leave the place as they met it. But why? Well, if, if Christians do that, then I think it's a real shame because for me, being a Christian is probably what, what motivates me to do these things. So if it becomes the opposite, I think then there's a problem. And I dare say that just being a member of GCFDF, I think motivates me to also do these things because Otherwise, if I come for the fellowship meetings and we are talking about leadership and how leaders are failed, what am I going to do sitting there? <laughs> so, so obviously, I look at it that, hey, I mean, all these eyes are on you. Hey, you've got to perform. And, and personally, I have also quite some great, great interest in leadership. And I am one of those who believe that change cannot happen without yeah. leadership. And I'm one of those who believe that everything really depends on the leader. Yeah. And so with that in mind and being given the position, then it was like, hey, all these are theories in your head. This is the time. Prove it. And I think uh, I'm glad that by God's grace, we did, we did some good work. So for me, that, that's my motivation. And I mean, we, we always lash out at our leaders. And every time we are lashing out at our leaders, they've not done this, they've not done that. But we, that small place where you are a leader, what have you done? Have you been able to achieve something? If you've not been able to achieve something as a head of a ward, a head of a team of two people, three people, four people, wherever, if you've not been able to achieve anything, then what moral right? You have to talk about, you know, bad leadership in other circles. So for me, I think that is key. And if we all make up our minds to to change, 
and to lead well whichever institutions we've been given to manage collectively that is the only way that this country will move forward great that's amazing ama okufo prince kwame afeke please i hope what you you heard what he said he said if you don't make a change in your own small area don't complain about anyone else that's amazing so how do you also, i also like the work you are doing at your end <laughs> Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to become a gynecologist for your sake because of the way you have worked. I also want to become a gynecologist. It's, it's really tough to, to, to yeah, do one. You know, for, for about eight years to seven years, most of the time I had been alone actually as a gynecologist in the hospital. Wow. 5,000 deliveries annually. Hey. So, I mean, the, the work the work was it was not a small joke honestly speaking <laughs> that alone is one well, of the are, you are, hypertension you are, hey, you are virtually on duty 24 times 7 i mean we've done some work <laughs> you have done a lot of work boss you have done a lot of work hey but, but, then, but so i think let me also talk about yeah. human resource as part of the things we did Korea. so again as i said I went to Koforidua virtually alone as a gynecologist for quite some time. But as of the time, as I speak to you now, or as of the time I was leaving, had about five gynecologists. We, Whoa. Yeah, so we, we had a program where we sponsored uh, our young medical doctors. So if I, once you are an MO in my hospital, I mean, you can't stay more than three years without going into residency. You've wow. got to start as a and we were sponsoring that time. I mean, we paid hard cash. To, you know, that time they were paying fees. Yeah. So we put out about 25 to 28 residents in the Ghana College. We are paying for them. So the result is that instead of one physician we met, we now have about five. We have about five surgeons, five gynecologists. And now I'm going to graduate and come the next uh, two years or so. We have so once I hear of you, you are in a distress and you are having any issues with sponsorship, I'll just tell you that hey, just say you are going on our tickets, and that was it. So with that program, we've been able to train quite a number of specialists, and they're they're all coming back to help in Bofordia as well. I'm really learning a lot. One of them is investing in your human resource development as in the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that. And then the 10% of the revenue going towards hospital projects. I think oh, it's yes. good. I think that I will have to start my private hospital based on these plans <laughs> and these tips and skills you are giving us. So why GMC? Um, what's the name of the place? I always get it wrong. UGMC. University of Ghana Medical Center. Yes. Why UGMC? And will UGMC uh, have a challenge for you? Does it have? Will it have enough challenge for you? Looking at how you raise Korea to a standard. UGMC yeah. already has a lot of equipment and things already. Will it have that challenge? Or why UGMC? <laughs> Anyway, so um, why UGMC? I think it got to a time, as I told you, I'd always dreamt of moving out of Korea to, sorry, out of Accra to work 
you know, outside Accra. But the initial whole plan was actually to spend like five, five years. Uh, as I agreed with my wife, we spent five years out there, come back, join the university, progress along, and you know, become a lecturer and follow up and all that. But um, I think just when the five years had ended and all that, that was when the uh, medical directorship came along. So I said, why not give this a shot? So in fact, when we crossed 10 years, we spent 11. Once we crossed 10 years, my wife was like, I mean, you said five years, let's go back and all that. So there was quite some pressure from there. The kids were also saying one or two, but surprisingly, once we came, they've turned around that the operator is what they want. So, so, but I think that was quite, my wife kept on reminding me and all that. And then she also needed to progress in her career, if I should say. So she joined the University of Ghana as a, as a lecturer. So for about a year or so, she was chatting Accra, you know, Koforibia and all that. So, um, and I've been putting pressure, of course, that we should move to Accra and all that. So once I saw an advert about um, University of Ghana Medical Center needing a medical director, I said, well, maybe there's an opportunity to go. So I put in my application and then uh, we went for interview and I was chosen. That's how coming as University of Ghana Medical Center. But I think also that being a tertiary center that uh, has been put up. I think the potential is, is there, is great, and I'm very happy and excited to join the team. And we're hoping to do some very great stuff there as well. But boss, you know how the Accra, the cities, the huge cities are compared to the regional capitals. A lot of politics and political clients and that kind of stuff. Yeah. What are your thoughts? How are you going to handle it? How have you been handling it? Because I think you've already started there. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say that the political angles are everywhere. Probably Kofurubia had quite a lot of that as well. But for me, I mean, it's all about being professional. So just, just professional. You're a doctor, you're a manager. I mean, just do your work. I really don't mix up politics and this with my work. Um, so just, I'm just going to be professional with my work, and I think that should be it. Um, the pressures may come, but just, just stay focused and be professional and do your work. Once you do your work, the results will show, and that, that's it. Wow. I want to ask to change the tempo slightly. I told you that the controversial questions will come. I want to change okay. the tempo slightly and go to another um, dimension. When you That's were right. in and causing all the change and everything, you know people don't like change and some people yeah. will not only try to bring impediments your way physically, but spiritually yes. they may decide to take you to places, malams, and get all that stuff done. Did you have any of those experiences? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't... Um... Hello? Hello. Yeah, hello. I, 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 well, directly, I'm not too sure, but there were quite a number of such these things. And I mean, being a Christian, I had a lot of... Uh, 
prayer and support as well from church, from the fellowship. So every now and then there was one issue or the other, you know, and prayer people will tell you that, oh, they've been praying, there's been, there are quite many attacks here and there, but I mean, we'll continue. Um, so being what a Christian. Kind, what, what, can you mention maybe one or two specific instances you know some of the younger ones go out to the districts to the regions and they think that everything is rosy forgetting that the spiritual battles there are as intense as in the cities sometimes though you people come that they're coming to curse you you see eggs behind your house eggs which are not for frying for stew or something for other purposes and all that take us some specific one or two instances attacks that you face Okay, I mean, physically, no. Physically, no. Like, I'll get up and maybe some eggs or something, lizard or something has been put behind my door or something, I didn't. But I should say that there are quite a number of times when, you know, um, I should say maybe some, some people, including there were times when my pastor will tell me that, oh, he just feels funny about things, about, you know, spiritual attachment and there so we should pray and that kind of thing so um and i'm not talking about this is not a, a what is it called this uh latter day prophecy fashion yeah <laughs> of course not of course not <laughs> syrian pastor you know but he's very dear very spiritual guys and all that so and then I'll have quite some very good prayer partners as well. So every now and then they'll say that there are many issues we have to pray about and all that. So that kind of thing. So the, the, they are quite real. I, I probably should say that even in, out there, they may even be, 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 be more than in Accra, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Accra. Most of the time, people don't care too much about your personal life or something. Yeah. You know, everybody is, because maybe they are smaller towns, everybody knows everybody and that sort of thing. But for me, what I, I mean, uh, as we all share and say that for those who fear the Lord, I mean, the eyes of the Lord, they come around them. Yeah. So I, I, I always felt that, I mean, the Lord's eyes are on us and, Therefore, there's no need to fear and yeah. to give attention and focus to that. And one of the things I always tell people is that if there's anything to do I have, then it is the fear of God. Yeah. If God, God is not going to take his eyes off you. True. And the scripture actually says that the angels of the Lord, they encamp. And yeah. Then for them to have their camp, they encamp around you. So yeah. the angels of God have encamped around you. So, I mean, just make sure that you are working in the fear of God and you don't, um, as it were, mess up or break the head or find yourself in compromising situations. And, and then that is it. Wonderful, wonderful. Now let's still keep in the spiritual lane. And let me ask, what has been some of the miracles that you've actually seen God do in your practice? Some of the miracles that you know that as for this one, it wasn't human, it wasn't my ONG knowledge. This one there was God. 
there's there's been quite a lot. There's been quite a lot. But one of the one one that come to mind very dramatically is we had the, the, we had a bad press issue about some you know triplets that died in our facility and all that. And during that same week, we had done an induction for a patient and over the night. You know, somewhere I think in the evening, I was told that oh, she started bleeding, so they went in to to deliver. So they went in to deliver, and then I think the uterus again was flabby and all that. So she had some PPH, and then they did a hysterectomy. And this lady then went to the recovery ward. I think day one everything was fine, and then. The second day, everything then changed, and then she had gone into respiratory distress. Hmm. And so coming on the back of that first case, which was already in the media, even yeah. I mean, what was in the media, the account was false. Yeah. I was like, hey, this, another one is coming or what? What, what is all this happening? So in fact, I was like, this one, God should just, God should just take us out of this situation. Yeah. And so this lady was at the recovery and I said, look, I'm just going to be here at this recovery ward. I'm not going to go home. So yeah. everybody was like, oh, but Obama, won't you go home? I said, hey, this patient is like this. Yeah, she can't breathe and all that. I should go home. To go and do what? I said, I can't go <laughs> So I was there. So, you know, we're there monitoring, managing. It got some time in the evening. I, I'll call the physician. I'll say, look, this is the situation. What should we do? But then I call the, the people I've brought in, the anesthetists. These are anesthetists. They are very good. But then we said, okay, so then we all started. So I will call people in Kualibu. They will also call their people in Konfanochi. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a combination. We all give them the scenarios. And then they'll say, okay, let's do this. And together we all do. Around, I remember around 3 a.m., then we took the decision that, okay, let's intubate. We took her to the ICU, we did the intubation and all that, and then managing around. So for almost three days, I mean, it was no joke matter. Wow. So the second day, even the family at a point, so if I, when I come in the morning, I don't even see the family members, we're just like the sister and somebody who was coming, then I'll be like, hey, what is happening? Yeah. And I'll take you and go to the IC. When I open yeah. the door, she's stopping. I'll just jump and the chest is rising. So, you know, and all that. And then the family people will also come and ask me that why thing where we've got you to something will come out of it. Hey. And all, oh, let's all keep praying. And we kept praying, we kept praying, and somehow, you know, things things turned around. And just when things mm-hmm. are turned around, and we thought that day we were going to. You know, have then when I was in a meeting and I saw one of the anesthetists run out. Mm. So immediately I said, No, this must there must be something about the patient. That's why he has run out. So I followed suit and we ran when then they said she had arrested again. We debated. I mean it was a whole thing. So all that went on. Then by the grace of God, this lady, I mean, went home. You know. Hey, wow. That in, in my recent times, that that is one major miracle, and wow. we all knew this. This if it had not been God, I mean, there's no way this lady would have 
you know, God. My, my adrenaline levels cry even high, even though I, I, I'm just listening. My adrenaline levels are all high. Wow. Yes, I'm sure within that 72 hours, I probably slept for about six hours. Wow. <laughs> Tell us another one. One more, one more. You're there. One more. Well, there was also one very critical one. For that day, I was going to Accra. So when I was going to, uh, it was a Sunday afternoon or so. So I had actually um, almost sat in my car and I was going to Accra. So they told me that, oh, this patient who had the IUFD, she had delivered and I think she was bleeding a little so, or something. So I said, oh, okay, me, I'm on my way to somewhere. And I, in fact, I'm not sure I was even the one on duty. So they should call my colleague who was on duty and all that. So I did that. So immediately, but it started drizzling and all that. And the way I had been called about this case, I said, okay, they should call my colleague who was on duty. But I just turned and said, ah, this thing, right, they are calling me. So I just called the guy in Accra that I was supposed to meet for the appointment that he knows what, I will not be able to come to the Accra again. So I just drove on and I was in a pickup truck. And that day, it had rained very heavily. So with a pickup truck, I could at least make my way to the hospital. But that flat, that rainfall, I think four people died in Kofurubia or so from that rainfall. So it was very heavy. And my other colleague was using a saloon car. So he had passed one direction to the hospital. The whole place was flooded. He needed to turn around and all that and go to pass use another route so virtually he got to the hospital about 30 minutes after i had gotten there and when i got there i mean everybody has surrounded this patient who at the time i got there the patient was just in shock in fact had just had a, an arrest so we just did one two cpi and we actually just bundled her in our arms and you know went to put her on the Labor ward, it was on the labor ward, so the distance is quite short. But we literally lifted her, we didn't have the time to put her on, uh, on a stretcher. Okay, we just lifted her, asked her to the theater. The anesthetist was there, and then she intubated and started the bagging and all that. And all the lines had collapsed, she didn't have any lines. So I did the cut down and then got the one vein, and then that was a lifeline. And all this. I was actually in my house dress. So now that we've got the, the, the line and all that, I said, okay, I just am going to the changing room, change it to my scraps and come. By the time I came, that cut down line had gone off. Oh, oh. So I was like, hey, what matters are these? So we said all the same. So everybody set up and then luckily, Somebody got one tiny thing with a pink needle on the leg. <laughs> so that was what we started using. So we used that tiny pink one on the leg. Then we opened up did the hysterectomy and all that. And I mean, that was a very dramatic one. And later when the patient recognized and was thanking me, I was like, this woman really saw all that happened. Hmm. Wow. If, if, if we're going to go on with these miracles, I'm sure we'll never end here. But I know people are burning, itching to ask other questions too. So let me just ask you a couple more and then I'll open the 
floor for others to ask their questions. So yeah, you have a thousand questions. Oh, never mind. Let's move to family. How and when did you meet your wife? Wife, um, it's like you're blushing, boss. <laughs> I met my wife about probably about seven years before we got married or more. I was actually doing my national service. Um, that time I was posted to, um, for example, Ghana National Commission on Children after okay. six form. Yeah, after six form, and we had the science club and the rest. So they also used to come to the place for the science club, their school. They had finished and were, I think, at home waiting to go to school. So um, she used to come there, they used to come. So I knew her there, that's, I mean, just casually that time. So I left, went to university, and then when we came to campus at college, I think sometime when I was in fifth year or something, fourth or fifth year, I met her on college again. I said, what are you doing? She said, oh, she's a nursing student. Casual friends and connected. So um, it went on and on. A few relationships here and there. But I think during house job, during house job time, I wanted to settle down and then out. You know, from all the rain that you had, there's been some few disappointments here and there. Some people, you know, I'm AS, you know, so I had a few AS trips yeah. here and there. So even this person, you have to find out the person yeah. is AS, you have to pull away and all. But so, okay, so during house job time, then I said, ah, this lady, she looks okay. Why not give it a try? Then, I remember, I don't know what happened, but that time, so somehow we got attracted to each other. We were visiting. And then during the house job time, I proposed to her and she accepted. I think after two months or something. After two months? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I remember during that two months, there came a Valentine's Day or something. So I remember. And she always says that I just came in and I just put the things on the bed and left or something. I don't know what Just like that. Yeah, so she says, and I just came and put the things on the bed and then I said something and then I left. So I said, ah, the thing too was delayed. I wasn't sure what her decisions were and all that. So I said, <laughs> I will. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So it's been how many years of marriage? So this year, it will be, December 28 will be 18 years. Wow. Yeah, 18 years. <laughs> and how have you been able to make time for family? Because you have three children, and for many years in Kofredia, you were the only gynec. And gynec, you are constantly on duty 24-7. So how were you able to make time for family? Um, that's one too is really tough, but again, it's about the time management. So, um, what I did really is that, and I like to teach them you know, to, to teach their, them their schoolwork and stuff. So I didn't like the idea of a private uh, teacher or whatever. So I told my wife that I want to do that myself. So what happens is that once I go to work, I know that at least by six o'clock, 
they would have eaten and done everything. So by six, I'll come home. Then I'll check on their work, sit down with them. They will do their work and all that. But around 8.30, when they sleep, then I go back to the, to the hospital to round up the day before I come back to sleep. Hey, but what about your wife so, too? My wife. <laughs> hey. Well, some, somehow, oh, she will also be at home. But interestingly, you know, my wife actually did her degree, her master's, and her, doing her PhD after we married. So okay. um, she's also been out of the house for quite some time. You know, she, her master's she was out, they've gone for a year. And all okay. this, so probably I'm even more around the home than she <laughs> Oh, <is>. really? Oh, really? <laughs> so, so when she comes, we try to be around the weekends like this too, I'll be around. So in terms of the children, I probably, you know, spend more time. But as I said, during the time when I know they've come back from school, they finish eating, doing stuff, bathing, that they will be at home. That time, I try to be at home at that time. Then when they sleep, then you go back. Otherwise, you know the children, they will all be like, Daddy, you just came, you are going again, yeah. again. You know, sometimes they say those things. There are a few times when, I, when I'm going back to the hospital in the evening, I even have to find some other story to tell them to yeah. stop their plenty again and again stuff. <laughs> wow. But I also, at least now, once we, we got some numbers, at least, I think, once we got some numbers, up to the last three years before I left Africa, I was able to take my at least some annual leave of a sort. So during that annual leave, I try and take it during the time the children are on vacation. Mm. So we are be at home with them. There are times when we've traveled as a family outside, maybe go to Cape Coast, Takrade, spend a week or so and you know, be together and come back. I also try December, every December during our anniversary, we go somewhere, we go, you know, at least three days, two days, we go outside where we stay with my wife alone. So those are some of the times I try to create. Yeah. So that anniversary that you mark proposal anniversary or the wedding anniversary, which of the anniversaries is it? That's, that's the wedding anniversary. It ties to Christmas and it makes every Christmas quite special. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let me round up so that we can listen to questions from the others. So what words of advice do you have for young Christian doctors like me who want to be like you when we grow up? It's a matter of balancing things because with all this, church is also there, you know. So yeah do some church work as well. I'm a Presbyterian and I like the youth ministry. So I'm a, I'm a youth teacher. You know, Presby, we have JY. We have yeah. JY. So I'm a, I'm a youth teacher. So if I'm in town and I hear teacher Kwame, then I know that that person is coming from Dansoman, my hey, JY. <laughs> so in Dansoman, that time, I, I was in medical school, so... That time mostly I'm now just Kwame, so it's what teacher Kwame is going to that and you say, Doctor. And then I I was also in church, I've been a presbyter 
uh, Soma House a presbyter and Kofrupia too. So it's a very tight balance, but I mean, just just work hard. Just yes. work hard. I tell people that when you come to the hospital, don't be in a hurry to be the hospital. The work is at the hospital. So just work hard. Just work hard. God, God will be your help. No, no, it's more. I manage my my Excellence, excellence, and quality. Just pursue excellence and quality. Yeah. And and fine. I forgot to also mention that I did a weekend sports. I did a weekend MBA along the line. What's what having to be done? There's a lot of feedback. very high for us. There's a lot of feedback. Can, can the person use the mic so that? I want to make a certain point. Do you hear me, Adma? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Okay. So I think what I also want to say is that when I find, I, I look around, um, I find that uh, in certain ways, we need to rise up a lot, one as Christians and two as doctors, especially when it comes to leadership. I think more of us should do courses in administration. We should do MPH. Okay. And, you know, so that... And you can always do it alongside. I mean, it's hectic, but hey, once you are young, just put your energy to it. I mean, when yeah. I was doing my MBA, I was still doing full work gynecology, full work medical director. But I mean, I wake up in the night and study. And those that were with me, even at work, never realized that I was doing anything because my work pattern never changed because I was yeah. doing a course. And at the end of the day, I came up tops of the class. So hey. it's all about hard work. And uh, but as I said, I mean, because if you look around, I dare say that most positions that we are even supposed to be occupying as doctors, um, we are not getting people to even become district directors. Yeah. And the rest, you know, we you you need to rise from there. District director, regional director, then you can come up to the the headquarters to head yeah. things and in our institutions and so it takes some sacrifice whilst we are young so I, I think and I want to encourage a lot of young doctors after your specialization go into things go into public health wherever you are working show the initiative things that are supposed to be done that somebody is not or anybody is doing take the initiative and do it and I think once we show that leadership it's going to, you know, transform and progress into great things. Nobody is going to do it for us. Nobody is going to build a health system for our country. True. And we've got to do that, especially we Christians. True. We don't have any option. I really like your last point that we have to rise up as Christians and as the doctors to provide leadership for the health system that we want Ghana to have. I really, really love that last point. Thank you so much, Dr. Kwame Enimbuama. You said the standard's so high. How can we ever oh, get there? That's so hey. high. That's so high. <laughs> mm. So now let's open the floor for questions. So please, if you have any question, you raise your hand and then, hmm, I don't know how I'll call you, but if you have a question, please raise your hand. Where will that appear?
Sorry? I think some hands are raised. Hmm. Dr. Buama, if you can see them, because me, I'm lost in this thing. I'm now looking for them. So if you can see them, please let them ask so that you can go ahead and answer. I am lost. Okay, so Ruth, Aete. Thank you so much, Dr. Anim Buama. I'm, I'm just so impressed with um, everything I've heard. God bless you and you are an inspiration. Um, I'm also a resident in Ops and Gaini. I'd wanted to oh. come to you, but unfortunately, because <laughs> you have left. Um, right away. <laughs> anyway, um, I just want to know, um, when you got to Kofreba, did you have any challenges with blood? You know, getting um, blood for patients? Because in Ops and Gaini, there's a lot of issues with related to obstetric hemorrhage. Yeah. And if you had any um, hurdles in that area, how did you be available? Um, yeah, I, I, I think that we, 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 blood in Ghana in general is a problem. And, but we encouraged us, particularly not for the policy of um, pregnant women donating blood. I didn't think it was too fair on them uh, to do that. And besides, looking at the population, if you ask them to donate blood and they can't donate, they won't come for the antenatal. And they may not come to even deliver in hospital. And the problem will come back to you after they've gone to bleed at a traditional birth attendant or at another, you know, smaller health facility or something. So we always encourage the blood bank to do their job. And I think by and large, we had quite, quite some, some, some blood to use. And in fact, we've so blood availability was not too much an issue. In fact, there, were, there was one time, one PPA that I remember before we had finished the hysterectomy, we had given about 13 units of blood. Mm. And she had a total of 39 units of blood and SSDs wow. before she left the hospital. Yeah. So we encouraged our blood bank to do their work and to bring in the blood. And I think we, we, we did quite well. Wow. So it but a few times there were challenges. A few times there were challenges of, you know, getting blood and I have to drive my, myself to St. Joseph's in the night. I remember going to St. Joseph's in the night. On St. Joseph's is a sister hospital to our hospital. Going there in the night for, for blood on. And okay. Wow. So, okay. To um, school, school blood drives, church donations, like how did they solve the problem? Yeah, school school blood drives was the main one. Unfortunately, the churches don't help. <laughs> it's yeah. very interesting, yeah. but uh, unfortunately, but the few churches I must say, ICGC in Kufuria were doing quite well, and I think EP Church and then the Assemblies of God Church. These three churches were quite constant in in, in annual donations, and but mostly we use the schools to the blood donations. Yeah. Okay, let's take Okofo's question. Thank you so much, Dr. Boma. Um, it's been a wonderful time listening to you. And my question is, being in obstetrics and gynae, I mean, it has a lot of, as a Christian, with a lot of ethical um, issues. Um, how were you maneuvering through these um, obstacles? 
these ethical obstacles as a Christian obstetrician gynecologist. Can you be a little bit more specific on the ethical issues? Obstacles, yeah. The um, ethical for, obstacles. Um, um, ranging from abortions to, um, um, uh, I mean, others don't readily come to mind, but um, um, using, I mean, some Christians are even against certain contraceptive methods and all that. Um, the issue of the abortions is quite a controversial one. Um, one of the issues, especially in most government facilities, was the haphazard nature, if I should say, in which abortions are done. So you have some doctor doing it sometimes in some consulting room, some doing it in some corner of the hospital and all that. But I think through IPAS, in Article 4, it had been organized into a comprehensive abortion program uh, that was based at the Family Planning Center, where practitioners who were interested had been trained to offer these services professionally uh, together with contraceptives at the family planning. So uh, once you are a Christian like myself who couldn't offer the service directly, you have the um, duty, I should say, to refer them to other practitioners at the family plan and they have their services done. So you didn't really have to do it if you don't have to, except the usual ones that we know, the medical ones, indicators that you do on the usual obstetric ward for either severe preeclampsia or something. Um, but again, as a Christian, we are always guided by our ethics. So once you are not sure, don't do it. And I think yeah. once you do that, you, you should be fine. And then talk to other seniors as and when basis. If there's any particular issue at the time that is challenging, you can ask for counsel and advice from others. Yeah, I think that's, that's a very good one to constantly talk to our seniors when we have challenges. And once we have Christian seniors, like we have together in this family, on this page, it makes everything much easier. Um, Dr. Jocelyn, your hand is up. Hello? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Hello, thank you so much, Director, for for that um, interview with, I mean, I had the privilege of, of working under Dr. Boama and I, I just wanted to add, <laughs> add my voice that um, truly he's uh, more than an example of true leadership because I, I came to meet the hospital, I mean, to see the good works. And one thing I, I, I really would want to add was as Christians, I mean, we need to um, let our actions show a lot. And I think he was such an example because I was privileged to know a colleague who was not even a Christian working with um, Dr. Boama. And I mean, everything just showed that he was a good Christian and his work showed. And there was, I mean, there was a time we're talking about the good changes that we've seen in the hospital. And the person, a colleague doctor, even not a Christian was like, He's been in this hospital and he even wonders what has been happening 
all these years because he was just marveled at the good leadership. So I think it's really important that Christ, as Christians, wherever we are, we should work and then let our work speak Christ. And then, I mean, for the working environment, too, I was so privileged and I will say that I was so fulfilled working as a pediatrician. And well, if it's okay to, to compare, when I compare when I, I worked as a specialist in Kofanochi, it was totally different. I mean, working under good leadership, everything you need to work as a specialist, I was so fulfilled working. And I remember one thing that I was so happy with was the, I mean, as pediatrics, we are always left behind. But when I was working in Buforidi, I wasn't so. I mean, everything was paid attention to. And I remember there were so many poor patients that whose bills were paid off. And I remember to the team one particular patient had to pay like two times. And I think it's so wonderful. I mean, there to add to, to it. So God bless you. Bless you, Dr. Inimbuama. Bright. My little brother, you have a question. Yes, madam. Yeah, yeah, yes, boss. Um, thank you very much, boss, for um, for such a time like this. Um, I would like to know, um, in um the medical director, um, investor of Ghana Medical Center. Then, do you do you only do um the administrative parts or? Um, do uh, do medical work still? Okay, I'll say I'll say yes. I do both. Um, in actual fact, the University of Ghana Medical Center, as you know, with we the the construction is actually phase two of the construction is actually going ongoing, and so some okay. of the departments are yet to be opened up, and. All right. There's been some issues regarding um, starting to offer full services, but I'm sure, I think from this July we should be able to, you know, really open up and say a lot of patients should come. Whilst we wait for specialized things like IVF and the rest to come on board later, so that the whole project is going to finish uh, next year April, but then. Or general things like general surgery, general obstetrics, we've started. Unfortunately, right. when we were really gearing up, is when uh, COVID 19, you know, came and most hospitals have oh. But to answer your question directly, I, I still do some clinical practice in addition to my uh, wow. obstetrics, in addition to my administration. So, Okay, I think Dr. Joel's hand is up. Dr. Joel, you're listening.
Yes, Dr. Joel. Hello. Hello, this Hello. is Dr. Jacqueline. Hello. I remember this is Dr. Etri. Hello, this is Dr. Jacqueline. Good evening, everybody. Jacqueline, please hold on and let's let Dr. Etri Job, Hello, Adoma. Um, can I go on? Or right I should from... Hello. Sorry. Jacqueline, please hold on for Victor to finish. Yes, Vesto. Yeah. <laughs> Victor, go on. Um, good job. Um, um, I, when I, whenever I hear you um, talk about what you've done and what God has been using you to achieve, um, a question that I have, what do you think can be done for others who are manning, uh, who are heads of district hospitals? How can they do to attract uh, more colleagues to their places of work so that service can improve. And this uh, question number two, extract specialists. Thank you. Hey. Mr. Your second question, sorry. Hello. Uh, sorry if the line was bad. Hello. Yes. I was saying. What, what are you going to do in UGMC to attract a different the That is. Okay. So, um, I think what we're going to, um, the others, the district hospitals, I think what they should do is, as I said, if people have the the knowledge, or if people know that they'll be given opportunity to go and advance themselves, they tend to be encouraged to join in and, and, and to, to come to the districts to work. In addition to very little incentives, of course, accommodation and some, something extra as some form of allowance helps people to, you know, come to some of those places. At UGMC, you know, we are partnering with UGMS, the medical school, to get some specialists to do some um, work there as well, and that will be remunerated. In addition, we are also trying to look at the issue of accommodation, which uh, we know is a problem in Accra, so that others who want to join can come in to join. Hello, Aduma. Yes. Yeah, I think Jacqueline can ask her a question. Okay, Jackie, please, you can ask your question now. Hello, good evening to everybody. Thanks for the opportunity. Dr. Buama, God bless you for your exemplary... God bless you for your exemplary leadership. Thank you, I Jackie. I think one of the... I, yeah, one of the interventions I really like, the first time I came to your hospital was the healing environment healing yeah. environment and when i entered the hospital i said this is not a hospital it's a hotel the landscaping the green environment yeah. there's no smell of hospital in that place yeah. i yeah. think it's, it's really encouraging i think most of the patients don't need medications just the environment is healing 
God bless you, boss. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Any other questions before we wrap up? Uh, Peter says we'll take a group photo at the end. So maybe at 7.55, we'll all put on our videos so that we can take the group photo. So, so, sorry, 6.55, sorry. Any other questions before we wrap up? But Dr. Buama, I did once hear somebody said he had some difficult case he was managing in one hospital. And I think he called you about it or something. And before you are, before he was away, you were with him in theater. Can you tell us about it? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I think it was on a sixth match. And as usual, I mean, you know, this our work, he doesn't know everything. So I had gone to the board and was doing a world round. Actually, my intention was to do the world rounds and finish around 10 and go home so that I can take the children somewhere to, to, to far away time for the holiday. So just when we had started, I had finished the first room or so, then I got a call from uh, my other colleague who works at in Saupom that one of the medical officers at Begro had a very bad case and they were like, the case is so urgent, they can't transport the case and something. So the whole thing was quite confusing. So they can't transport the case, so they have to, uh, he's planning that he has to open up there. But looking at it, he can't, uh, he can't manage alone. So the way I saw it then, and so I said, okay, then he should let the doctor call me and so that I know exactly what was happening. But then instinctively, I thought that it was going to be a this thing. So why not just, you know, go to, go, go to the, uh, the place? So I just then called my driver that the way the whole thing is and the adrenaline levels probably maybe a bit uh, risky, me doing the driving myself. So I called the, the driver who drives me usually I think he was not available, so I asked, I called another one and he said he was available. So I took off and picked him from his house and then we, we headed towards the grove. So I had not actually called them or told any of them that I was coming. So I got there and then I asked them where are they and then they said they were in theater. So I, I just grabbed, showed, asked the nurses to show me and I, I gowned. Then I went to the theater. Obviously, it was a very bad case. I mean, blood was all over the ground. I think one or two of them had donated blood for the for, for, for the patient, and um, so you know, I took over and did the hysterectomy, but the bleeding and all. So once the once I got there and I saw the situation, I made them call back to Koforidia that we needed more blood. So another car actually came with four units of blood uh, down to the grove again and at the end uh, it actually happened to be a staff and was wow. going to know after after we finish after we finish the Wow, that's amazing. This is another of the miracles you didn't say your boss. I think we have to write a book or we should do a movie on your life. I don't know which one you prefer. It's good. But thank I mean, you so much. One, one of the things I also did was, you know, sometimes 
uh, well, some of the doctors needed some capacity building. So what I did was actually, yeah. I don't know, but for some reason, I preferred also to go sometimes to know the hospital, to know the conditions and the way they are working. Okay. So I'll ask you to get some four or three cases, then I'll come there. And usually I needed to find a free time, and most of the time that I'll get was on a holiday. So mm. some of the holidays I actually spent, you know, traveling to one district to help and teach one of them to sharpen their skills, at least to maybe do a subtotal hysterectomy or something. Yeah. The life saving stuff. That's amazing, exactly. Dr. Kwame Enimbuama, God richly bless you. Thank you so much for inspiring us. Thank you for giving us business tips. Thank you for expanding our minds. I can feel my mind is just stretching like that with all the tips and stuff that you have given to us. Thank you so much. God richly bless you. Um, we will take a prayer and then we will turn our videos on and then we'll take a picture. And before the prayer, yes. Sorry, boss, continue. Closing remarks. Yes, yes. Oh, sorry. Closing remarks. <laughs> so I think what I'll say is that um, um, hard work does not kill, as we all know. Um, and there are certain things that you can do when you are young. Now, like this, I can't imagine myself doing another course or something. Maybe very difficult to go and sit in classroom again or something. So once we are young, I mean, let's, let's do as much as we can in terms of the process. Let's work hard as much as we can. And when we are given the opportunity to lead, um, there's no other leadership than leadership by example. So be there where the work is going on and, and get a hands on. If it's flowers they are planting, be interested in the flowers. So <laughs> I tell people that I literally designed where flowers should be, how it should be planted. Wow. Chief horticulturists. <laughs> so you have to be there, you know, when they are doing a renovation of certain parts of the hospital, go there, go and see and tell them, no, do this here, do this here. I mean, I, I just do these things. Uh, but, but you have to be hands-on, basically. And yeah. uh, once you do that, I think that and have, have a very good uh, rapport with your staff and with the people you are working with. You know, it's good to know people's names. Call them by their names. Yeah. And, and them, and they appreciate it. And we'll, we'll just do the work for you. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much, boss. One person has messaged saying okay. that I wanted to leave a compliment for Dr. Buama. Even laymen have noticed that the regional hospital has been transformed. God bless him so much. I did, not, I, I did an attachment there. And I loved every experience. I joined him on ward rounds and he was amazing. A for amazing. Everyone spoke of how much of a great man he is. Amen. God bless you. We know that even in heaven, your reward is even greater than what we have already seen here on earth. Anyway, I should say that I should say that I'm deeply humbled uh, to, to, to be on this interview. And um, all glory and honor be to God. Without Him, of course, we can't do anything. And I thank, I thank especially this family. And I think um, at the back of my mind, believe me, this family has been one of my biggest inspirations. That 
I really cannot disappoint this family. And that has been one of my inspirations. Thank you. Amen, boss. God bless you. Shall we close our eyes, take a prayer, and then we'll take our picture. Let's pray. Let's ask Dr. Mami Yenyako to say the prayer for us before she, uh, before we take the picture. Father, we thank you so much for this evening. We thank you for this session with our brother and colleague. We thank you for using him and for using him to inspire us and encourage us. We continue to lift him up before you, even as he works in this new role. We pray that you give him godly wisdom, you give him understanding, would help him to continue to shine so that your name will be glorified. And we pray for all of us that through this interview, may we all be encouraged. May we not give up. May we continue to trust you so that wherever we are, we use us as light to bring warmth, to shine, to glorify your name. We thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Your interview is coming up very soon. So um, I'll just encourage each and every one of us to join GCMDF. You can go to the website, have a look, and then you can join. And Jackie is also reminding you that let's all pay our dues. So let me hand over to the host because as to how you do a photo when we are in thousands of different locations is beyond me. So let me hand over to the host at this moment. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much, um, Dr. Enimbuama, for such a wonderful time. Thank you, Dr. Adoma, for um, a very on-point moderation. So, um. All you need to do is to turn on your video. So just um, turn on your video, click on the video, and then I'll see your face, and then we'll take the picture. Okay, so I think I can. I am starting to see the faces. Yes, just turn your videos on. And so I'm still I'm still seeing the videos on. I think some of us are still trying to turn them on. So and when we are we are set, I'll let us know so that we can take it and then we'll be there. Thank you.
Okay, so for those of us who are using um, a, a laptop, if you go to the gallery view, you see um, the faces nicely arranged there. Yes, but I think if you're using a phone, you may not be able to see that. So um, we have, we are still not set, but um, I don't know if the others will still come on. Okay, let's wait for a few, a few more, um, a few more minutes, a minute or two. Uh, Prince, my, my smile is losing its shine. I've been smiling, so it's losing its shine now. Let's take it Okay. <laughs> okay, so... Prince, have you taken? Uh, I've taken quite a few. I think I think I think I think the problem is that some of us our networks are not that um that good. So it's like it comes on and goes off and all that. But um I've taken a few. They were not the grade was not full though, but um I think um not to not um, waste much time, I think that would be okay. That would be okay. So thank you so much. Okay, so God bless you all. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you. Super. Good job, Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. Hi, Michael. Hello, Michael. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, hi. Good to see you. Fantastic job, Dan. Well Thank done. you. Thank you, Michael. You will be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for your interview. <laughs> yes, okay, no problem. Thank you. <laughs> People are now connected. Wow. I guess I should keep taking the pictures. <laughs> oh, right now that I've closed, now that people's camera have come. Okay, no problem. <laughs> Dr. Afiz, I see you. <laughs> Dr. Afiz. Oh, my camera is now working. <laughs> you didn't know your camera could work. 
We are we are bush bush people on Zoom. We know how we can use this. Yes, that's good. Interesting. Yeah, good job in UGMC. Thank you, thank you. I I got a call from the hospital, so my line went. Uh, yeah. Uh, but that's okay. We've we've started our small small things there, you know. <laughs> Where small small is what pediatric things. Friend, oh, <laughs> said, you know, you know all the challenges of the hospital by now, I'm sure. <laughs> small, <laughs> pay, small. Pay. Is well, all that this is not gold. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not all that is gold. We are yeah, trusting that things will get better. Yeah. yeah, but but uh, that's why we are there. So mm. very soon, come up big. Mm. Yo, thank you, Charlie. Say hello to Global, Victor. Daniel? Yeah, Ando, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Tell me how far? I'm good, are you? I'm also fine. Are you, are you guys also resuming? Yeah, tomorrow. Wow, we are also going tomorrow. Oh, sure, sure, sure. sure. Charlie, yeah, eh? yeah, Charlie, two months intensive. <laughs> We, we are we are still hearing your private conversation. <laughs> oh, we are sorry. So please be on guard. Okay. We are sorry. <laughs> 